0: This live stream is brought to you by Still and Evergreen Garden Care. Still is Australia's most trusted brand of garden power tools, backed by 95 years of German engineering excellence. To get your hands on their range, visit your local Still dealer today or visit still.com.au. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the best-known and trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. To be inspired and easily create and maintain your garden, head to lovethegarden.com. And there we are. Hello, welcome to the Garden Gurus Live. It's nice to be back with you this week. Sorry, we had a bit of a a gap last week. Robin, our producer, unfortunately was a bit unwell, but she is back with us today alongside with Jimmy who is making sure that everything runs smoothly technically so you know who to blame if I suddenly disappear. Now, we've got a great program for you today. It is packed full of great gardening advice. I'm here, of course, to answer your gardening questions. And we have got a few things coming up. Do you know the secret to a healthy garden? I'll share it with you a bit later on. Um, What is the most beautiful plant in your garden at the moment? I'll show you some stunners from Garden Express. We'll catch up with Rowan and talk about those. My plan of the week, I couldn't help myself, I've got one, two, three, four, but all with a common thing that you will just love. And of course, we're answering your questions with lots of prizes to be won. And don't forget, when you are sending through your questions, it's really important this time of the year to be sending through where you're from. So I want to know your state, town sometimes even your suburb. And, you know, little bits of information like the aspect, you know, is it on a southern aspect or a northern aspect? All those things really help when I give you advice. So please send that through. And remember, if you like what we're doing, hit the Like button because it shares it with your friends and we all get to share and be part of the community. So let's get on with it. Let's go to all of our questions, which are flowing through like crazy. So thank you. Albert is in East Kennington. That's over here in WA. Um, Could you explain the difference between uh, amongst soil improvers, compost, mushroom compost, um, and what's the right situation to use each of them? Now, also uh, Albert sort of says he went to the gardening stores, he found some products labelled with soil improver and compost and it's just got him all confused and he wants to understand, okay, soil improvers. Generally, soil improvers are a fine sieved compost. So they have the chunky bits taken out, and they are very fine materials that you will incorporate into the soil of garden bits or in preparation when you are um, laying, say, a lawn. Now, they have organics in them. They have nutrient in them. They tend to have very good flow of moisture through them. However, when it comes to composts, composts are all the bits that you've thrown into a compost process. So You know, it's all the various sizes and grades of of material. And at the same time, um, it is something that can be quite rough. Mushroom compost and composts, they're both composts. Mushroom compost, however, is predominantly straw and chicken manure. And that's because it's used in the process of making the the food source or or, or the growing medium for mushrooms. And if you're wondering when you throw compost into garden beds, it doesn't matter whether it's mushroom compost or or normal compost, why you suddenly get lots of fungi sort of grow. Well, that's because fungi love organic material. And if you're worried about fungi in your garden, you shouldn't. You should look at them, appreciate them for their unique shape, structure, colour and beauty and let them do what they do best. And that is they'll break down the organics and that converts it into a soluble form of plant food. So it's all good. So Albert they're all effectively the same thing. Soil improvers tend to be finer and they're really more about incorporating into garden beds. Compost tend to be coarser. Um, They'll have a mixture of both. But the idea with most compost is to throw it over the top of the soil and just keep improving the layers of your soil. And those organics will do the world of good for your plants, but most importantly for the soil biome, that is all the little microbes that are in the soil. Most of them are incredibly important to plant health. Misty is in Adelaide. Hello, Misty. Uh, lemon tree curling of the leaves. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, would having tomato plants growing in the same barrel cause the curling? No, the curling, the curling is most likely uh, a nutrient deficiency. And sure, tomatoes will be taking up nutrients and competing with the tree. So if they're in the same, if they're in a wine barrel, for example, you need to increase the nutrient sort of supply. Now we are going to talk about lemons. I reckon, consistently through today's show because I've already seen some of the questions that have come through. But what I really want to to say to you is that with citrus, now is the time to be feeding them, okay? If you've got oranges, don't overfeed them. But certainly lemons, they will be producing fruit you'll see all the deficiencies in the foliage at the moment. So if the leaves are yellowing around the outside edges, you need to be adding things like magnesium and manganese. If the leaves are curling manganese is often a deficiency. They can be deficient of things like copper, which is, you know, very small uh, micronutrient, but very important to the general health. Um, So feeding with an all-round, all-purpose citrus fertiliser now is a really important thing to do. That's my single bit of biggest advice I can give anybody with citrus. Misty, I hope that helps you in Adelaide. You want to do this now because they grow during the warm season and during the cold season, they'll slow down. Now, speaking of cooler, Marie is in Hobart. Hello, she sent us a photograph. This is great. Somebody please tell me there's something wrong with my lemon tree. See, I was telling you about this. It has had citrus food, blood and bone, and the rare sea sole. Okay, let's have a look at Marie's photograph. Now, I just talked to you about that yellowing around the outside edge. Marie, to fix that particular problem, grab yourself some Epsom salts. You probably want just a litre, to be quite honest, um, of water. Ideally in a mister. Spray over all the foliage after you've dissolved the Epsom salts in the water. I should mention that. Um and then empty the rest of it out into the pot or into the soil around the base of it. That is classic magnesium deficiency. And it's a sign that the plant just needs more food. Most people don't realise citrus are gross feeders. They they will love all the plant food you give them. So keep throwing it at them and they'll be dark green, lush and healthy. Blood and bone and sea salt don't have a huge amount of nutrient in them. They're very much about soil improvement and improving suppose the health of the soil and and the plant's general health almost like a tonic but citrus food is something at the moment for the next where are we march april may june the next three to four months a handful of a good well-balanced citrus food per plant each month washed into the top soil will do them the world of good hopefully that helps anna we're not sure where you're from but you did send us a photograph. You said, my agapanthus have this white powder on them and I'd like to know what can be done. Thank you, wishing you and your team a prompt recovery. Well, I think I can safely say to you that um, that prompt recovery has occurred. Now, you can see this photograph. Now, this is quite a common problem with agapanthus. In fact, with a lot of these sort of bulbous kind of plants, and that is classic mealybug damage. So the mealybugs bugs actually right down in the growth tip, almost in the soil. And the only way to really treat this is to use a, a syst- systemic, ideally, a systemic treatment. You, you can apply things like eco oil, um, maybe a combination of eco oil or something like that, and neem oil. But the truth of the matter is a systemic is going to clean this up. Mealybugs are terrible, terrible pest, and it really can cause significant problems for plants. So you do need to treat it, and now is the time to do it. Um, When I say a systemic, there's a few different types around. If you can get your hands on MaxGuard, it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, There's a David Gray's um, bug killer. I think there's also a Grow bug killer. Uh, that are in garden centres predominantly um, they all have an active ingredient in there that is systemic it will go through the sap and get down into the heart of that and kill off the mealy bug and it stays active for about a month or so in the sap of the plant and that's enough to break the breeding cycle hopefully that helps okay let's come back to WA Jandicott Eve hello I discovered this lemon on my Eureka today I've never had one before look at that now Eureka lemons um, when, the, when the flower bud um, forms and the fruit just starts to set, if they get any thrip on them, and in WA we've got a lot of problem with a thrip called um, chilli thrip at the moment, but Western flower thrip can do the same thing. It causes a little bit of a contortion in the fruit and you'll get this odd fruit that's just weird. Let me show you. This is what happened to one of mine and I've never seen a fruit quite look like it. Again, eureka, but look what happens to this fruit. What do you do when you've got a fruit like that? Well, you can juice it if you want, I suppose. Um, probably takes a little, little bit more difficulty to, to get the juice out of that particular one. But, you know, this is the thing. Sometimes uh, grating the rind will do a lot of good. Just run that grater over the outside of the rind and, and get a built up and use that in making cakes. But, yeah, look at that. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. These are the challenges we have with, with, uh, with citrus. So if you've got a lemon that looks like that, folks, send us the photo in. It uh, it always never ceases to amaze me. What happens with some of those Eureka lemons? And that was all caused by a little tiny thrip in the flower bud as it started to develop. Unbelievable. Fearenza. I don't know why, there's a bit of giggling going on in here. Anyway, um, Fierenza from Thornby, uh, yeah, Thornbury in Victoria, hello. Um, you were wondering if I could help you out. Of course I can. My backyard is 200 square metres and I don't know what to do with it. I have two large dogs. Um, I know little about plants, but would love to learn what should I do first. Furions are the very first thing that you need to do is get yourself a garden designer in. It's one of the best investments you will ever make. Now, this will involve somebody who comes in, looks at the area, looks at the aspect, looks at the soil, looks at those dogs, and talks to you about what you want from that garden. And then when they've designed it, they'll leave you with usually a landscaper to put it in for you and the advice on how to care for it properly, which is the most important thing once you've got your garden in. But for your answer, there's no easy way around this. You do need to go and get a professional, pop into your local garden center. They've usually got a list of great garden designers in and around them. Folks, remember to keep sending your details of where you're from. So Adrian has sent us some photographs um, and there's, I'm not sure where you're from though, mate. Um, hey guys, happy 20 years. Thank you very much. How can I improve my tropical style garden? Would love some expert advice, tips to make it really shine. Okay, let's have a look. Adrian sent us three photographs and you can see it's starting to happen, mate. You... Are doing all the right things, so you can see there's a good layer of mulch there. Let's have a look. Have we got the other photos. Yeah, um, good layer of mulch. You've got great plant selection. It's all starting to happen. I would say you've got very good water supply too, by the looks of this. The key to to these tropicals. Oh, look at the Latin palm in the back there. That red foliage of the of the red Latin palm. Just beautiful. You're doing everything right. What you are going to see though is you're going to see this development. You're going to see your bananas and your palms will start to grow up. They'll develop a, a canopy over the top. They'll screen your neighbours out. And then you'll find this second tier of plants, the under canopy plants, with those big leafy foliages. Well, they're all going to start to fill in the gaps in between. The real key with tropical plants and getting them established in areas that are not necessarily tropical environments is nutrient during the growing season. You want to encourage those plants to grow and to be as strong as they possibly can. So feeding with a really good all-purpose uh, garden fertilizer. Now, I, I'm not gonna suggest um, uh, you know anything else other than an all-purpose. Ideally, you want something that's actually fast acting. So you want something that's got some pretty good release right up front. Now, the reason for that is because these are gross feeders. These plants feed a lot during the warm conditions. And then during the winter, guess what? They absolutely slow down and they just don't do an awful lot. So um, you don't need to feed them at all in that environment. Hopefully that helps. Gary's in South Australia just inquiring what is a good high nitrogen fertilizer? I've just pruned back my potosporums pretty hard. Like to know of a high nitrogen fertilizer to kickstart them. Is urea good high? I would never give potosporums urea. Um it's always a component, generally, of a lot of those sort of faster-release general-purpose fertilizers, um, but never ever, particularly with potosperms, um, what you you don't want to be focused on a high nitrogen fertilizer. You want to be focused on a really well-balanced fertilizer. Um, you can have something that kicks out a little bit faster, but um, potosperms actually require. Uh, consistent feeding. It's really important. You don't want, if you give it nitrogen, it's going to grow huge long shoots, literally almost like sucker shoots or water shoots, and it'll put a lot of foliage on that, but it won't have good shape, and you want good shape. So controlled release, well-balanced, something like Osmocote, and I would be, to be quite honest, they should be sort of every three to four months, Osmocotes, but um, I would probably say every six weeks, good handful per plant, um, and probably do it three times between now and winter. That's all you're going to need to do, and they'll look fantastic. Gary, don't get too carried away with the nitrogen. It can be really dangerous stuff. Jody is in New Mexico. It's in New South Wales. Photo is attached. Can you identify this plant? Got it from my mum last year in a small pot. Thought it was a daylily, but it kept growing bigger and not flowering. Let's have a look at this. I haven't had a look yet. Oh, okay. So this is a crinum lily. Absolutely gorgeous! It is a um, it's an interesting lily. It's it's one of those. It's sometimes called the shore lily. So you'll often find it in tropical environments, growing in very coastal conditions, and it will produce the most beautiful sp- clusters of spider-like flowers. A little bit later on, it just needs to be a bit more mature, Jody. That's all. So don't worry about it. Great plant. You've got a second question. I've got some old garden beds that have got old roses and lavender growing in it. But the soil's really hard. The water seems to just run off and not soak in. I can't replace the soil or dig it in as there's too many plants. What do I suggest? Here's what I suggest, Jody. Go and get yourself some gypsum. Gypsum is a form of uh, calcium. And when incorporated into the topsoil, and that means you're still going to have to scratch it into the topsoil it'll improve the soil structure. It allows air in, it improves it. And I would also apply at exactly the same time a wetting agent. Okay, so when water's running off, it's suggesting that the soil is becoming hydrophobic, which means it develops a waxy coating over the soil. And when it builds up, it ends up just creating these big dry pockets, which you do not want. If you use a wetting agent, it washes the wax off. It's the easiest way I can describe it, allowing water to sink deep into the soil really important thing to do and that will reinvigorate your soil then I would add a plant fertilizer that's got um, some microbes in there Um, that's really important too hopefully that helps Jody two good questions thanks very much we're going back to Adelaide to Wendy hello what am I doing wrong I can't grow chocos two seasons without flower and I've used fertilizer this year seriously feel like a failure as an Aussie well, Wendy, chocos come from South America, so don't go getting too upset. Um, the truth of the matter is that uh, every Aussie should have a choco growing over the dunny out the back of their old house, right? That's the old Australian way. But the truth is chocos won't come into flower until the autumn. So first year, probably establishing year, second year, it will produce flowers in the next month. And by the time you get to June, you will have fruit everywhere. I promise you, trust me. Don't go feeding them too much too. Just at the moment, if you give them lots of nitrogen, lots of that that growth promoter, um, you'll end up in a situation where it will produce growth, but it won't produce flowers. doesn't need to. Okay. We've been talking a lot about good soil. Um, it's, it's the key to everything. And when we talk about improving soil, we're talking about incorporating ideally organics. It's a, such an important thing. Now, the guys at Evergreen have done, uh, well, they've gone to the next level. So they've done a soil improver that also includes something called Nature End. Now, it's a very, well, it's quite unique actually. It's fast acting natural nitrogen and it causes rapid growth. We were just talking about something that's going to include good growth but improve the soil. This does that as well. Okay, so remember that was a natural nitrogen. Blood and bone, natural again. Um, Now, the good thing about that is that uh, blood and bone is high in nitrogen and phosphorus, really good for for healthy leaf, leaf growth, but most importantly for really good, strong root development. And blood and bone is always high in calcium. Pretty important to add blood and bone in before you plant something, say like tomatoes or capsicum or chilies, because it'll help you avoid blossom end rot. Um, seaweed it's got seaweed in it it's got biostimulants now we just talked about adding microbes but biostimulants really stimulate the health of the soil effectively they're a plant conditioner and they maximize the nutrient uptake in in plants through their roots it's got some chicken manure again good source of nitrogen phosphorus and potash which is great for all sorts of plants and feather meal which is a slow release nitrogen so getting all these different mixes But it's fantastic. It works for natives, for fruit trees, um, trees and shrubs, flowering annuals, perennials. This is the product to be putting into your garden beds, digging it in before you go planting out or if you're looking to go and reinvigorate the soil. And that's just what we've been talking about today. So pretty important that you actually get that right and that's where this particular product, Scott's Performance Naturals, okay, organic-based soil improver will really make a big difference. Give it a try, Um, fantastic. And it's from the same people that support us, Evergreen, who who back everything we do with um, Love the Garden. So thanks to them for their support and give it a try. Seriously, you can see what quality soil looks like versus tired soil and this has been improved. I think Nige did this job. And you can actually see, I think we've got some potosperms in the background there, so this might be your additive that you're thinking about for your potosperms to um, to give it a bit of a boost, maybe more a soil improver than a fertiliser high in nitrogen. You've got a good mix in this altogether. And you can see the Ruckster is just uh, giving it a little bit of love, breaking it up, spreading it around, making sure that the plants get to take that up, and that's what the bag looks like too. Good work, Nigel. All right. Well, look, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll keep going on because we've got a lot of uh, things to cover actually and I want to catch up with Rowan from Garden Express. He's got an awesome, awesome uh, offer for you today and I know that it's selling out for our very eyes. Um, just quickly, we'll talk about plant of the week, okay, before we get to those uh, because Rebecca wanted to know where she can buy snail creepers. Now, I need to know where you're from, Rebecca, really makes a big difference because... depends what part of Australia you're in. If you're in the northern sort of part, probably Sydney north, um, you're going to struggle to get your hands on these in flower, not necessarily the plants themselves. How beautiful is that? Now, this is heavenly fragrant. It really is a gorgeous, fragrant flower. And here's the thing about it. It starts off, and I'll pick one off to show you, it starts off with these cute little buds. This is how it gets its name. They look just like a snail shell. Oh, very cute. Then as they open, they've got this beautiful pink and almost sort of a purple pea-shaped flower that sort of all evolved. And then as they age, they get this golden colour start to come through. And even at that stage, they're still fragrant. They're amazing. Now, here's the incredible thing about this particular plant. These flowers added to a salad, or these flowers, which are the flower of mint, added to a salad, or these flowers, which is gardenia, added to a salad, or even these flowers added as a garnish or a salad, or pop them into an ice cube, holler, put some water in and freeze them. They make the most beautiful addition to a cocktail. They are all gorgeous. That's the future, of course. And they're all in season right at the moment. So a lot of us are entertaining this time of the year, and this is the perfect way to do it. So you can see a whole bunch of beautiful flowers that are just gorgeous, time to go in the ground, get them planted out. And this time next year, you'll be able to add them to, well, you can pretty much... Add them to any dish, either as a garnish or as a salad addition. They're edible. Generally, they're very sweet. Um, the, Jimmy, it was interesting because all of our all of our um, olfactory um, senses are different. Jimmy didn't like the smell of this at all. I think Robin gave it the thumbs up. She loved it. I love it. I think it's great, but not everybody does. So you got to pick what it is that you really like when you put it in. But um, I mean, how lovely is that as a little additional garnish? added to the, to the side of a plate. I think it's just beautiful. And it brings a whole new level of, um, of culinary excellence to the dishes that you're providing your family and your friends. So I thought edible flowers, why don't we talk about them? Maybe you've got some at home. How about, uh, how about talking about the ones that you're using now? The next question actually goes off to Tassie. And it's a really good question. So I, I just showed you, The mint, and you can see my leaves are lovely, dark and green. But here's the thing, Sarah, we'll get some really good growth as the weather cools down. But once the older foliage sits still, if we're having a very wet winter and we did over here in the west last year, um, I'll start to get a little bit of mould on the foliage. Now, it's generally powdery mildew. And powdery mildew is a pretty easy um, fungal problem to treat on things like mint. And that's what you're seeing, by the way. That's definitely what it is. So um, you can treat, there's about three or four different um, uh, herb, uh, uh, fungicides that you can use. I would suggest that you look at something like Mancozeb. Give them one spray. All you need to do is break the pattern. The ideal scenario is actually to sort of trim them up a little bit to allow a bit more airflow. Or if it's in a pot, move the plant into a spot where there's more airflow. It really does make a big difference. This
1: show is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis. Whether it's a garden, a balcony, or potted indoor plants, they want to inspire anyone, anywhere, to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com.
0: Okay, well, we've been a little bit on the cool side in Tassie. Let's head north to Queensland. Suzanne is in Queensland. I'm after advice on what sort of native trees and grass I should grow. Well, the first place you should go, Suzanne, is your local garden centre. There's no better source of advice than than your local garden centre Queensland's a big place. So, you know, southern Queensland at times can be quite dry and um, that means that you can grow certain plants. If I was, for example, to suggest to you that you plant La tonica, you'd probably find Brisbane South. But once we get north and we're a little bit more humid, then they're a little bit more susceptible to some of the fungal diseases, the cholera rots and so on, that can set those plants back. And that's why going to your local garden centre is always such a good source of advice. They'll say, look, Tanika may not be the way to go, but, you know, Longifolia, the the big old strappy leaf form, um, Katie's Blush or one of those ones, they are the great varieties to add into that sort of environment and they won't have any problems. So, Suzanne my advice is to get some more advice. Sorry, but that's the best way to go in your particular situation because you didn't tell us what part of Queensland you're from. Carolyn is in Melbourne. Hello, Carolyn. I've got a hedge of magnolia little gems and the leaves are falling from the bottom up. What can I do to stop it? If I can, that they are telling you at the moment, Carolyn, that they're dry. Okay. So magnolia, uh, magnolia, little gem, in fact, all the magnolias, the evergreen ones, if it's too dry, they'll drop their lower foliage and, um, it's not an uncommon thing. Uh, you just need to actually probably give them a feed, get a wetting agent out there, soak the ground around the base and uh, make sure that the irrigation system is running on them. This is a common problem. I am talking from personal experience here because I've had it happen myself. So uh, I can tell you straight away what that problem is. Uh, Catherine is in the central wastelands. I'm not sure where they are. That's really an odd Place Okay. Maybe if you can give us your state and your town, please, it really helps me. Is there any way to slow or get rid of cypress canker in eight-year-old Castlewell and Gold, Leylandii? You've given it a dose of go-go juice. That's not going to make any difference at all. It's a fertiliser. Um, uh, the, the boundary... You've got a one-acre house, okay. You moved into a year ago and you're seeing this decline. Castlewell and Gold is really susceptible to Cypress canker. Cypress canker is become very, very prominent. Oh, sorry, you're in the central Tablelands of New South Wales. Sorry, Catherine. Um, it's just been popped up on the screen. This is a general indication. So so Cypress canker became really evident in Australia as we started to enter into uh, global warming and a drying climate, it indicates that they're under some kind of stress. It doesn't get them under normal circumstances unless they're stressed. So you can use some things, but if you're going to use it, you're going to want to use something like Yates Anti-Rot. It is probably the only thing I think, short of using a, um, sort of using a something like Fosjet which is more of a commercial product, um, and that's literally an injection into the, into the side of the plant. Um, the truth of the matter is that they're probably going to continue to decline and at some point they're probably going to need to go. So what you may want to think about doing is to start planting alternative plants to provide you the same kind of hedge. Um, so as they take over and these decline, you can take these out and the others will go on to fill that space and you'll, you won't be left with your boundary being completely open. Hopefully that's an option for you, Catherine. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, not uh, not quite the news you probably wanted to hear. Joy is from Hoppers Crossing in Victoria. Hello, Joy. Picked up a white sapote, all right, from a garden swap. Will it fruit if it's not grafted? Will it will fruit if it's not grafted? Yes, absolutely. Sapotes um, are pretty tough um, plants. They, they will grow very well in Victoria. And they will fruit in around the melbourne um certainly melbourne out to mornington peninsula um, i've seen sapotes or other tropicals that have similar characteristics um, do quite well out there so the answer is uh yes it will fruit it may take longer to fruit but you'll end up with a great result hopefully that helps um Right, let's keep moving along. Let's go to New South Wales. Jayendra is in Balcombe Hills. A lot of grass growing under my roses. Finding it difficult to pull it out? Can I spray zero to kill the grass without killing the roses? Okay, roses and any glyphosate spray do not go together, ever. Never spray glyphosate around your roses. It is such a t- minuscule amount of glyphosate that needs to come in contact with rose foliage to knock your roses for absolute six, sometimes to kill them all together. The trick with grass growing under rose beds, and it's not all bad news, is that you can treat, there are selective herbicides. There is one called fusillade. It's got a few other names, the active ingredient. Um, fusillade is um, something that should be applied really by a professional, so Ideally, speak to professional, um, you know, ideal lawnmower man or gyms or VIP or one of those professional companies and ask somebody to come in and spray fuselage, like the base of the plane. Now, the way this works is really interesting. What it does is it's systemic. So you spray it on the foliage. You can spray all the other plants in the garden bed and it'll only kill the grass and it'll go all the way down the foliage, deep into the root system, and it'll kill it off permanently. It's really, really effective. Fuse Just about everybody has this problem and this is the way to, to solve it. You will not be able to pull the grass out. You will only cultivate it if you do that. Glenn is on the Gold Coast. Hi, Glen. I'm making a compost bin out of pallets, four sides only. <clears> That's an interesting challenge. Unfortunately, I can only get softwood pine, not hardwood. Normally I'd paint the pallet. With sump oil and kerosene to stop termites, I'm worried about doing that for the compost. Would it be okay? And if not, what are your suggestions? Um, so my suggestion is that you don't you don't use sump oil. It's a it's a particularly big problem um, in that it does seep into the compost. Um, what I would recommend you do is you actually paint the pallets let them dry thoroughly and let the paint seal it off to protect them. Um, but the the thing when you're using something like kerosene or particularly sump oil is it will seep into the soil a little bit around the outside. That stops the termites from coming in and getting hold of it really and chewing on it. Um, so probably not the answer you necessarily want, mate. My, my suggestion is, to be quite honest, is I just use them as they are natural and... Uh, work on the theory that about every two to three years they're actually going to break down as well Um, and you can pretty much crush them up or break them up throw them into the base of your of your compost and what that will do is it'll improve the the air in the compost which will improve the breakdown Um, and you just put new pellets around the outside it's it's an idea anyway hopefully that helps wendy's in geelong hello wendy i need to transplant some rose standards when is the best time to dig them up all right winter time is the best time that is probably all i would suggest to you at the moment you can dig them up you can move them you do need to try and get as much of the root system as you can but look winter when they're dormant all deciduous plants really if they're going to survive that is the time you take them out and do it noel has sent us some photographs can't believe it, Noel, another lemon question. We are on fire with lemons. I've got a dwarf lemon in a pot, full sun, about 20 or so full-size lemons. You can see them here. Um, They don't seem to go fully yellow. I'm not sure where you're from, Noel. That's one thing that really is important. So my lemons, this is probably the first time in quite a few years for a period of about six weeks, had no lemons. Now, the reason I've had no lemons is it's been so hot And lemons need a little bit of coolness at night to start to get that beautiful yellow blush. So you can see the the lemons there. Um, It's definitely a a lemonicious, I would say, or lots of lemons. And they will turn yellow is the good news. So as we're cooling down in the weather and you can start to see a bit of yellow blush coming through, they're going to be fine. So don't go worrying about it. You're not doing anything wrong. This is just Mother Nature and her quirkiness. Hopefully that helps. With your, uh, with your lemon tree. Don't go freaking out. Okay, Alfred's in Perth. Just watched the Garden Gurus episode about the hydroponic herb planter. Would like to know where I can buy that planter with a netting cover. All right, head off. You're in Perth. So head off to a place called Hydroponic Express. It is in Canningvale and um, absolutely fantastic place to go and see how to do it. Get some one-on-one advice. You might just be lucky enough to find Nev. Passmore out there—that is his wife's business—and um, he's often active in the in and around the business. There, you'll see him actively talking about things, and it is a great system to grow things. And they've got so many inspiring, different bits and pieces there that you really—you know—once you get there, you go, "I want to try this, and I want to do this, and I want to do that," which is what it's all about. Carissa, you've sent us some photographs too. Oh, sorry, actually, I've gone too fast. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to pull back. Oh. Oh, no, 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 Carissa, I'm correct. Um, I was wondering what, uh, if you could possibly help me with a big issue in our backyard. I've got a huge trampoline and nothing grows under it. It's just mud and dirt and weeds. So you want some advice. You'd like to turf it, but you're scared the turf will grow, won't grow under the trampoline, so it won't get sun. Well, there was turf growing there before. You put the trampoline on top and then the turf died. Pretty good indication, Carissa, that you're not going to grow turf there again. You can see... Underneath, it'll stretch out. And of course, it is killing. uh, Literally, it's just killing the grass off. Now, there are some alternative ground covers that will grow under dark spots. You could put things like um, native violets, for example, or um, maybe Dichondra might do okay in that environment as well. Um, but you're not going to grow turf under there. So try try those two, native violets, dichondra. There's a few that'll grow in the shade that'll do quite well if you are going to leave the trampoline there. If you want to grow grass there, move the trampoline and you'll be fine. It's always a bit of a compromise, isn't it? Barbara is in katanning Hello, and thanks so much. It's great to see you too, Barbara. Thanks for your support. Is there any point in putting out pea hay now or wait until spring? Barbara, this is the best time to be putting pea straw down on your garden beds right at the moment. It will basically inject some well-needed organic nitrogen into the soil and get them off to uh, get all your plants off to a great start. So, yeah, get it down now. It's a really good time of the year to do it. Hopefully that helps. Uh, Vimeba is in Melbourne. Uh, What should I add to the soil that is not absorbing water when I water the garden? All right, so you've got what we call hydrophobicity. Or water repellency and basically this is caused by a waxy build up in the soil you need to get rid of that that's when you apply wetting agents now is a great time to do it as we start to get our first winter rains in those southern states we'll want the water to absorb deep into the soil and evenly through the soil so wetting agent is the perfect way to go right at the moment v i hope that helped you a lot wendy we're not sure where you're from but you've got a good question can i add normal dynamic lifted to my lemon tree I always remember Don Burke in my ear one day about Lemon Tree saying that uh, the best fertilizer he felt for lemons was Dynamic Lifter, and it's pretty darn good. It will do a good job, but for me, I would always recommend that you go for an all-round citrus fertilizer. It's so much better for citrus because they are a gross feeder. They feed a lot. And they are, well, they need a well-balanced diet. So they've got to have lots of those trace elements and micronutrients, which is why you get a specialised blend fertiliser. So personally, I would be going for the citrus fertiliser. Lynn is in Perth. Hello. My gardenias are flowering beautifully at the moment. Should I fertilise them now or later and or should I just continue with sea salt? So sea salt is a soil tonic. It's about plant health. It'll it'll rejuvenate the plants um, if they need a little bit of a boost. But it's not a fertilizer. You should be feeding your gardenias right at the moment. They are expending huge amounts of energy to produce the flowers. So using a flower promoting fertilizer is a great way to go. So have a look in at your local garden center or bunning store and have a look at the controlled release fertilizers. There's a number of the Osmocotes. Um, that you can use and because you're in Perth I'd suggest you go for the Osmocote plus organics all right really does a good job at promoting um, flowering and supporting flowering and making sure the energy that's the the nutrients that are coming out of the soil is replaced so hopefully that helps Lynn now's the time to feed them Nadia is in Sydney why is my cherry tomato leaves turning brown actually it's a pretty common problem everywhere Nadia the peak of summer tends to knock them around and when they get to the end of their life uh, they become more susceptible to things like thrips which is probably what's causing them to brown um, you can spray them uh, there are treatments for thrips uh, and you just want to pop into your local garden center have a talk to them about it I wouldn't be using a systemic I would be using a contact spray sometimes using something like a horticultural oil will do the job but Um, this might require a little bit more, so something like a Maverick or something. Contact spray, relatively low toxicity, but you will have a period of time. Look on the label. Every label has something called a withholding period, That's the period of time between when you spray and when you can harvest produce to eat. It's very important you follow that because you don't want any of those potential chemicals in the food that you're ingesting and consuming. That's why you always read the label first. Chemicals can be really helpful, but they can be incredibly dangerous if you don't read the label. All right, we have been going flat out, and I reckon it's time to take a break. Take a deep breath, sit back and think about what it is you could have in your garden that would be just stunning this time of the year because right now is a good time to plant. So I might ask my mate Rowan. Now, Rowan Peterson, where are you? Oh, there you are. G'day, mate. How are you? Hey Jeff, how you going? Very good. How's life in Melbourne? Uh, it's beautiful. It's a really beautiful day. We've had some really nice weather, although quite humid, but but really nice. And uh, you guys are pretty busy. You've sent my mate David off to do some hard work.
2: Yes, we're preparing for the uh, for the Melbourne International Plant and Garden Show, uh, which is on a fortnight from now. Um, what are
0: you, What are you doing? What are you going to do there?
2: Uh, we'll have our, our same um, stand that we've had, although we haven't been there for the last two years, of course, um, but we'll be selling um, spring-flaring bulbs, of course, uh, we're gonna have uh, fuchsias, we're gonna have aloes, we're gonna have our fantastic range of uh, hard goods and gardeners advantage uh, garden accessories. Uh, along with Wolemi, uh Felco are going to join us again. So, you know, sharpening your tools and, and things like that. Um, and we will also have a, uh, a range of, of proteas, uh, which is what we're here to talk about today.
0: Okay, proteas, uh, we obviously have just talked about them on the Garden Gurus. I go for a bit of a walk around my block. I, I've always wanted to put a heap in my garden. I just haven't got myself around to it. And when I walk around the block, there is one particular one that blew me away. It's the King Proteus. So we filmed alongside that. Now, the King Proteus and the other one being Waratahs were unbelievably popular. And I warned everybody they would sell out in a flash. They did. But it's not, it's not all bad news, is it? Because you've still got some pretty incredible Proteus available. We do. We've still got a
2: very limited number of the protea collection that you spoke about on the, on the TV show as well. Um, there's only about 30 of those left, so if you're going to want to, um, you know, capitalise on that discount, I'd get in really fast. Um, um, but there's also some leucodendrons, um, some serious, uh, some leucos, um, and, you know, a range of other ones that we're also selling individually. Um, and there's a few proteas amongst those as well, some beautiful ones.
0: Right. Well, look, I've got to tell you that that particular flower, you know, family of plants, as far as cut flowers go, unbelievable. And the blushing brides and the pretty in pinks, the crackerback jack reds of the ceruleas, um, they're amazing and they're really hard to get your hands on. So whatever's left, folks, definitely get on those. Leucodendrons, we're just talking to somebody on the weekend about hedging plants. One of the very best hedging plants you'll ever get, an informal hedge, Go and cut the foliage, and you can use it in in vases with any other kind of plant, and um, just your your general collection. Your Australis Ruby, Possum Magic, um, Sesara, they are they're all available still, aren't they at the moment?
2: They are. They are. So, um, and and along with a couple of others, we've got some um, a Protea Stately, which is a really nice pink one, um, uh, available individually. Uh, plus. Yep. A- Fire um, the Australis Ruby. We've got a few of. Unfortunately, um, those kings don't don't last very long. So yeah, unfortunately, they're all sold out. But they are an amazing plant.
0: Yeah. Well, look. Maybe the the key here is to keep your eye out for them in the future because you didn't just have the normal pink King Protea that we're actually showing uh, on the screen just at the moment. You also have the King White, which yes, um, yeah. is gorgeous. And I mean, the, just to put this into context. Um, we're paying something like fifteen dollars per stem for a cut flower through florists here in the west.
2: Yep, yep. So bit, I to.
0: So that price is is incredible.
2: It it is, um, but I guess it, it comes down to when we when we're offering you know things like like the kings in particular, they never last long, travel. You you know mm-hmm. this you know you, you put it on the tv and and you know often they're sold within you know the, an hour of it going to air um and unfortunately those kings were no different this 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 week
0: so Rowan it really kind of highlights a very important point the role that garden express plays within the garden industry is a very important one it, it became more apparent obviously through covert times because we realized um you know we just couldn't go out. A lot of people still don't want to go out because they're worried about, you know, public interaction and and public places. But they can just order online and you don't just have general plants online, you actually have a huge range of all sorts of different types of plants. That means that people can either get spring flowering bulbs or rare collectible bulbs. We've got um, David's signature collection of unusual plants. There's so much.
2: There really is. Um, and obviously the produce that we've just spoken about, but we've also got a really great range of uh, 140 mil uh, natives coming in later this week. Keep an eye out for those because they, again, won't last very long. And that's got some great banksias and, and grevilleas and, uh, yeah, it, it really and, is great.
0: The, Austra- the Australian members of the protea family. I mean, uh, we should never forget about those. The ones we're talking about um, that we we collect, you know, collectively call proteas generally are uh, all from South Africa. But of course, Australia has a wonderful range of proteas as well. And um, this is this is your chance to get your hands on them, and probably most importantly, to be able to shop from the comfort of your armchair you and either do it on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. And then hit send and here's the great thing, it all gets delivered direct to your door. That's it. Place your
2: order and uh, the girls are out there packing constantly. Um, it feels like almost 24 hours a day lately. Um, obviously, we're on the, the packing side of all of our spring flowering bulbs at the moment. They're all in now, so we're madly trying to get orders out that we've had flowing in uh, over the last few um, weeks to months. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, going out the door now, um, we hope to have all those out the door, uh, you know, in the next week or two, um, and then obviously uh, we've got natives, and then our next, the next exciting thing for us is row season is or bare root row season is almost upon us as well.
0: Wow, mate! Look, um, great job, fantastic offer. People need to jump online right now if they want to get what's left of uh, of the collections that are available, because it sounds like they have been immensely popular. Rowan um I'm I know that David will be at the show extensively. you're going to be there at the show so if people are going to Melbourne in a couple of weeks time to experience the Melbourne International Flower and Garden show, they they may want to keep their eye out for you at the Garden Express display. Yeah.
2: we will be at stand 34. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, pop in and say good day we uh, we'd love to hear from anybody um, yeah it's going to be some great deals.
0: All right. Well, listen, mate. Uh, we've got we've literally got um, questions coming in flat out from all over the place. Um, I better get on with it. But thanks for joining us today, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time. If I don't see you next Monday.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll be here next Monday, no doubt. It'll be me again next week, just because David's obviously out there at the show getting all prepared. But um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Um, we'll have another great offer for for um,
0: for your viewers. Awesome. Well done, Ron. Thanks so much, mate. All right, we will keep flowing along because they really are coming in thick and fast. John is from Melbourne. My azaleas are brown. What should I do, John? Send us a photograph. Um, generally, if they're brown, they've run. They're not getting enough water. It has been a hot, dry summer in Melbourne, and you need to get some water on them because so if you've waited till they've gone brown, it's unlikely they're going to bounce back. It, it's pretty tough to recover. But look, sea salt, give them a good soak with that and then, um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you probably just want to have a bit of a, just a bit of a think about that. Um, Probably might be time to replace them if they are completely dead.
1: Garden Express are Australia's leading mail-order gardening service offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on the Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer. So make sure after today's show you jump online and visit their website.
0: Emma is in Torquay, staying in Victoria. Sorry. My four year old, Banksia marginata, died within three weeks. I have eight of these in the backyard, but this is the only one that died. Now we replaced it and that died too. All surrounding plants are okay. Okay, it suggests that maybe you've got a little bit of root rot. Um, Banksters cannot handle phytophthora, which is the classic root rot disease. And it could be that it's just in that little spot. And there's um, probably it's probably time to avoid something from the proteaceous family. If you want to try and you know change the soil, you could drench the soil with something like fungarid, or alternatively that that anti-rot product. And then try replanting, but um, it's most likely that the fungus is in that spot. Um, I would suggest that you probably won't find anything will grow back for some period of time, certainly at least two years until the fungus has burned itself out. And important message there is don't trek between the different plants because if you've got any dirt on your shoes, you'll be transferring the spores of the fungus between uh, plants and you'll start to see others start dying too. Pretty important um, advice there, Emma. Hopefully that helps you. Rebecca is in Hilbert. Now, that is in WA. She bought a blue kangaroo paw on Saturday. Unbelievable. Half of your luck. It's, um, it's been an amazing release and uh, people are raving about them everywhere. Where do you put them? You want to put them in a bright, sunny position in a free-draining soil. Don't be scared to plant in an improved soil. Remember, they're growing in potting mix. Um, they do love nutrient, they do love moisture, not too much, um, but they do need full sun. And transplanting them into the ground now is out of a pot is the perfect way to go. So I'll do that. Probably a little bit of sea salt when you put them into the ground just to settle them in, and maybe some native plant osmocote around the outside to encourage growth as we cool down. That should help a little bit. Leone is in Adelaide. Hello, Leone. How hard should I cut back my less than one-year-old gowra, please? You can cut them back down to that far off the ground if you want. You can cut them as hard as you like. Um, you don't want to just, you don't want to cut a little bit off. You don't want to, like, deadhead them. You do need to cut them probably at least in half, but maybe even by up to as much as 75% because it will encourage it to grow really bushy. And you probably in Adelaide actually just coming into a bit of flower now, so maybe a, a, a half prune, and then when they flush and finish their flowers, they go into winter. Give it another prune again. Um, don't prune further back than where you did before, but that should encourage it to be even bigger and bushier. Come springtime when they're going to produce lots of flower. Uh, let's go I'm back to WA from Adelaide. Let's go to Cavisham, Clare is currently isolating in Cavish and wants to, wanting to have some sheep manure for my garden bed, something to top dress my lawn. Anyone know somewhere that would deliver today? Well, that's a, that's going to be a minor miracle, Claire, because everybody is so busy. But look, I'd ring around um, somebody like Little Loads, which is uh, not too far away from you. They may be able to help you in that space. I'll uh, stay in WA for one more question before we head to the east again. Uh, Dave is in Wandawi. Um, G'day, Trev. We're on a four-acre block. It's coffee rock. This is really hard soil um, and rubbish soil. We've planted 600 natives and they flower and bring birds and bees in. But we're looking for a statement gum up to six metres, preferably bright yellow, to break up what we have. I'm going to tell you that I think the, um, the gungaroo or eucalyptus erythacoris, is the is the tree for you it's beautiful large nuts um, with gorgeous yellow flowers bit of a weeping habit um magnificent tree one of my favorites um you could try well no look you want the yellow flower don't you so yeah yeah i would suggest eucalyptus erythicores um called a gungaroo. It's also, oh, I can't think of the other common name, but anyway, that should help. Hopefully that helps. Let's go to New South Wales, to Cronulla, and Ashley has asked us, um, she's got issues with the leaves on the on the agapanthus going yellow-brown and shriveling. You've treated with Yates tomato dust, as we found some caterpillars. Is this the correct treatment? I reckon you've got the same problem that we were talking about earlier on, and that is um, you need a systemic treatment because you've got Mealybug down in the heart of the agapanthus. Um, I suggested previously that you use something um, that is systemic, that moves through the the foliage. Um, Maybe the one to to try as far as the spray goes would be bathroid. You'd want to give them a really good drenching with it um, because you want to get it into the roots, into the heart of the plant, and it'll clean up that problem. But tomato dust is really not going to do it. Pam, Pam, Um, I'm new to the Macedon Ranges in Victoria. Any suggestions of frost-tolerant flowers to please the birds and the bees? Look, um, probably of all the plants that are going to handle it, grevilleas are really good in some of those environments. Still, if it's really cold, if you're getting those black frosts, um, it's going to burn flower buds and and soft flowers off the plant. So that's problematic and I would be... um, yeah, I, I probably, you know what, it, it, I suggested this before, but pop into your local garden centre, have a talk about some of the endemic native plant species to your area. It's always a good way to pick things that might flower because um, the birds and the bees, they do want to obviously to, to have some some plants that are going to give them some food through the winter bees will store away um obviously a lot of stuff in the form of honey and cap it off and they'll eat that through that period of time when there's just not a lot of um a lot of food around but you do need to be a little bit on the on the cautious side with regards to what you plant so head to your local garden center that should help i reckon Okay, where do we go now? We'll come back to Perth. We've been to New South Wales, we've been to Victoria. Let's go to Rollystone. Kerry is from Rollystone. Got iceberg lettuce that are not forming heads. What am I doing wrong? Iceberg need lots of nutrient, Kerry. In fact, I was recently told a number, and I'm not sure if it's 100% true, but about 85% of the nutrient of an iceberg lettuce is absorbed through the foliage, not through the roots. And that's what gives them that big solid head. So liquid fertilizing over the foliage is critical. Now, organic liquid fertilizers may not deliver enough. You may need to think about some of those ones, things that are granulated, that are dissolved and watered in over the the top of the foliage. I used to use Fostrogen on mine. Thrive would also be an option for you. And you quite literally, every five to seven days, water them like that. And I promise you, you'll end up with the most magnificent iceberg lettuce. Hopefully that helps, Kerry. Rob is in central Queensland. We haven't had too many Queensland questions today, maybe two or three. Um, let's see if we can get another three in. You'd like to ask, what are the best fruiting vines to pair together for a year-round greenery? Would like grapes to be one of them. Thanks, mate. Okay, well, look, grapes are fine. You're not going to have year-round greenery because obviously you're going to have this situation where um, the grapes will drop their foliage, doesn't matter where you are, Um So you want something that's going to be sort of growing when the grapes are not growing and I am struggling to think of something, oh, no, I'm not. What am I thinking? Of course, passion fruit. Passion fruit are exactly what you should be putting in. Central Queensland, put them in. You can grow them. They can probably, literally one can grow almost over the other and um, that's going to... um, that's gonna do the job. So um, I think what you would do is probably use that. I, previously I th- was thinking about choco actually, but chocos also die off during the, um, during the winter months. So probably not an ideal scenario. I'll keep thinking cause I'm sure there's a few other options I've got for you and um, you should never stop to stop thinking about things that maybe provide edible flowers, uh, things like the snail creeper. That's um, another option for you. Okay let's keep going i my i just was this far away um from giving you uh, a fruit this week because um, my dwarf cherry guava my strawberry cherry guava is in a mass of fruit as well but jeff and Rita from delaney's creek near woodford in queensland theirs is infested with grubs even though they're still green what can they do to protect the fruit okay this is, um, this is quite the task at the moment. Now, there is a product out there called Success. And if you spray it over your plants to get control of grubs before, or just as the fruit's starting to set and form, um, you'll break the um, the fruit fly life cycle because that's the grub you're seeing in the fruit. So spraying them with, um, with Success is a really smart way to go. Hopefully that'll help you, Jeff and Rita. Um, Louise is from Sydney, New South Wales. How can I control ants from Cymbidium orchid spikes? Well, they're only going up to. They're not going to do any damage um, on your Cymbidiums. They are only going up to obviously get a bit of nectar. It is very early, so I don't think your flowers would have opened. So um, the only other thing they could be doing is possibly farming scale. Easy, easy control. Um, well, there's two. I'll give you. You can use something like white oil. They don't like that at all. The other thing that you might want to think about is actually dusting the base of the plant with talcum powder. Now, ants hate that. Talcum powder is very small. When you look at an ant under a microscope, it's kind of got like shields of armor around its body. And when that dust gets inside, it irritates them to no end. They get up and they'll move away and they'll go and clean themselves, but they won't come back. So maybe that's your solution. It's a nice natural one. You don't have to spray anything, you just have to dust the base of the pots and around the base of them with talcum powder. How easy is that? It's all about good ideas. Okay, let's stay in Queensland. There's that third one that we said we'd get. We'd made it just in time. Here we are. It is 1 o'clock Australian Eastern Standard Time. I think it's something like 12.30 in uh, Brisbane and here in Perth it is 10 a.m., and Michael from Brisbane has asked, I've recently planted 15 tiger grass bamboo along the back fence for privacy. How soon can I apply fertilizer and should I use a liquid lawn fertilizer? Um, I wouldn't use liquid lawn fertilizer over the tiger grass personally. Um, that's really designed for lawn. The tiger grass is, it's, it's like a bamboo. And um, if you really want it to grow well and uh, you want it to be looking great, you need a controlled release fertilizer applied right now. Um, So each plant, probably something like two handfuls. Um, You can be quite generous with this. You want to sprinkle it sort of fairly evenly around the outside, but you'll find within probably four weeks, lots of new growth, and they really start to take off. Um, Controlled release fertilisers applied this time of the year. Do the world of good for your garden. Now's the time to do it. Wow, we have had a lot of questions. It is... The end of the show i hope that you enjoyed everything we did if you've enjoyed today's show hit the like button it really helps us out we're very sorry if we didn't get to your question today we've obviously had a bit of a backlog but a lot that we're flying through but we really appreciate you participating it's a great community we have when we get together on a a Monday morning. I know a lot of people listen to this back through their podcast as well. Robin's gonna send a message off to our seed winners after today's show. I'll be back next Monday with another episode, obviously of The Garden Guru's Live, and it's 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, 9 a.m. for WA viewers. And don't forget your video and picture submissions via Facebook, get it done by Wednesday. And remember, it's really important. You state your name, state the suburb, and uh, obviously the state you're in and and of course your question if you can send us pictures it really does help because it helps me identify what that particular issue is i thought the agapanthus today was a really good example of where there could have been three or four interpretations of what was causing the problem but your photo showed me exactly what it was um, because as soon as i saw that wrinkling of the new foliage coming out I knew that it was merely bug doing the damage. It's a really good example. Remember, you can always jump onto our website. It's a great resource. You can get previous episodes of The Garden Gurus from our YouTube channel, thegardengurus.tv. You can listen back to today's live stream or catch up on previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Audible. And don't forget, we're on TV at the moment. It's fantastic uh, in the autumn. We're coming up to episode five this weekend. 4.30pm, right across the country, The Garden Gurus on Channel 9. It is our 20th birthday celebration, so we're going to celebrate all year. We're going to celebrate just like it was 2002. Happy gardening, everybody. Have a great week. I'm Trevor Cochran. We'll see you again really soon. The Garden Gurus is back with a brand new season this weekend. Make sure to check out your local TV guide for your times.